So we are yeah, going to be in the book of Jonah today, uh, chapter 1. And uh, just while preparing for this, I really felt that there was a, a, a prophetic edge to just what God has put on my heart. I, I, I felt that God wants to wake us up this morning, all of us. Not, not just one or two. I just felt that God wants to talk to all of us this morning, to stir our hearts this morning. So I'm going to pray. Before we do anything, let's, let's pray, yeah? Kim's prayed, but I'm going to pray again. God, I just pray as we look at your word, as we open the Bible, I just pray that it will speak into my heart. I pray that each and every heart will, will be prepared to take in what you've got to say. I pray, Holy Spirit, will you, will you minister to people as I'm talking? Will you minister? God, it is, it's only through you that we can encounter God. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you do a work this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm going I'm to ask you a deep question to, to start us off. Um, and uh, a heavy question, if you will, and it's this. Um, not that, that's not a question, there it is. Um, how is your Christian life going? How's your Christian life going? How's your Christian walk going? Are you somebody who's plodding along? You're like, yep, I'm, I'm all right. I know Jesus died for me. He's really great. My life's all right, so I'm all right. Are you, is that you? Is it that you are... You're at your wit's end, and you're like, I'm really done with this Christianity stuff. Um, I just want to sack that all in. Are you, do, do you wish that you were excited about God in the way that you were excited at the start? Is that you? You've been a Christian for years, and you're like, yeah, got there. Are you, are you currently in a good space and just feeling God's using you at, at the moment? Maybe... You're somebody who's come in this morning and you are not yet a Christian um, and, and you're just looking in. Do you know what? You are in the right place this morning and, I, and my hope is that, that you will see why we think God and is, is so good. I hope you will see the beauty of Jesus this morning as, as we explore his word. So um, I ask this question because as we will see, as we go through the, the first chapter of Jonah we're going to see that this, this question is just dotted in different ways um, throughout this chapter. We're going to see that it, it, it's there. And, and when I refer to Jonah, what is it that comes to mind? What is it the first thing that you think of? And right now, you're all going probably a fish or whale, aren't you? Yeah. You're all like, yeah, yeah. Even if you are somebody who's not a Christian, yeah, you... you um, you probably will know this story in some way, shape, or form. And, and if um, you were to get anything out of today, I want to reclaim Jonah. All right? I don't want it to be... Does anyone remember VeggieTales? Like if you've been a Christian, yeah, I'm going to make you stop cheering for that. Um, so, um, the, and so this picture of this massive whale... He is, he is what the book is all about. And you see it in, in VeggieTales. And today, I want to reclaim Jonah. All right? I want to I take Jonah back from VeggieTales. I want to, I want to de-VeggieTales Jonah a little bit this morning. I want to, I, my, my hope is that you will see Jonah 
beyond a kid's storybook about a whale. I want you to see that it's not about a whale. My hope and prayer is that you see Jonah is one of the most sophisticated, one of the most incredible books, one of the most incredible, one and a half pages in the whole of, in the, whole of the Bible. For example, let's look at just Jonah 1, verse 1, just first line. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Right, that, uh, sorry, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And right now, if you were somebody reading this for the first time in that time period, you would have been laughing. And you're not laughing. Why are you not laughing? Well, well, let's, let's, let's go. Because the author is saying, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And so this phrase, that, that line, is to raise a question in our mind. It's to get us thinking, what type of book is this? What, what kind of book is this? If you were to turn the page of your Bible, if you have a, a paper Bible, if you were to turn one page, you would get to the book of Micah next. Micah starts like this. The word of the Lord came to Micah. So instantly, in our mind, we go, oh, they're very similar books. They start exactly, if nearly exactly the same. So we can go, oh, Jonah, that's a prophetic book. Okay, so at the time they would have gone, that's a, this is a prophetic book. It's part of the prophetic books in the Bible. It all fits in there. Um, just to note, prophets in the Bible, they're not fortune tellers. It's not what they do. They might talk about something that's going to happen in the, the future, but their main role is to speak on God's behalf. That's their, that's their purpose. And so that's, that's what's happening here. But what makes Jonah different? Why is Jonah different to Micah? What kind of book is is this? Because the thing with Jonah, unlike Micah and all the other prophetic books, they're all what somebody has said or spoken or what they have written down and and, and preached. But what we get with Jonah is that it's a story of a prophet. It's very different in that. It's not a speech. It's not words or writings, but a story. And so in, in Jonah, God speaks his message through a story about a prophet. And you could think this, a way to think about this book as we go through it is to think of it a bit between satire and, and comic books. So what I mean is in comic books, it goes to the extreme, right? They go to, go to when, if you were to open a comic book, it's like wham, bam, and they, they punch their face off, like using hyper... I used to be a primary school teacher, so they've got to learn all the language. So hyperbole, there you go, fancy word. Um, so it, it's exaggerating. There's so much exaggeration in this book. It goes over the top. For example, in, in chapter 3, Nineveh repents. The whole of Nineveh repents to the point where the cows are repenting. Like That's the point of extreme that it goes to. And, and it's satire as well. Because there's characters in this book, and they are behaving not the way that they are expected to behave. They're not behaving in the way that you would expect them to because they want it to be comical. And so, yeah, there's comedy in the Bible. There's comedy in, in, in Jonah. And so we see this in that first line, Jonah, son of Amittai. So this, this is where you are supposed to laugh because Jonah... His name means dove, and so doves were a sign of innocence. So innocence, and he's son of Amittai, 
Amittai is faithfulness. So he is innocence, son of faithfulness. And they will have known from back in two kings, they would have known that Jonah is anything, anything but innocent and anything but faithful. He is anything but those. And so as we go through chapter one, we'll see that he, that Jonah is one of the most hard-hearted people in this story. Well, the hardest-hearted person in this story. The man of God, the, the righteous guy, the prophet, he's the baddie. He's the one who's getting it all wrong. And no one and nothing in this book behaves like it's expected. It's, it's over the top, like the cows repenting. The, the reason it was written this way was for a purpose. And the purpose is that it is a mirror. It's a mirror for you and I that we look into, that we, we look into it and it exposes the, the worst tendencies in our hearts. It's to expose what really fills our hearts. It's to expose how hard-hearted we are. We're supposed to read this book and go, oh, well, Jonah, oh, such a fool. Why would he, oh, oh, oh that, that's me. That's, that's what I'm like. That's its purpose. So as we'll hopefully see, the more we dig into Jonah, the more that it just punches us again in the gut. That's what it's to do. It's, it's more than a whale story. Okay, I just want to reclaim it. It is more than a story about a whale. So let's read. Let's read a few more verses. Let's see what the dove, son of faithfulness, does. Oh, this is annoying, isn't it? One sec. So, smooth. Uh, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was evil. If you went to Nineveh, it is likely that they would have probably skinned you alive. It is, it is a horrible, horrible place. And what does he have to do? Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. You what? No, 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 thanks. Because its wickedness has come up before me. And then he enter Jonah. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. It's another bit of irony here. There's another bit of wit happening here. And uh, Jonah, the religious guy, the holy guy, the prophet, what's the first action that we see him do? He is running for his life. He is legging it as quick as he can, as as far as he can from God. Yeah, the man of God is running from God. He is running from his life. And and he's not just running, all right? So the exaggeration here comes in. He's not just running. He is fleeing as far as he can. This is a map at the time. So you've got him. He goes down to Joppa, and then he's heading to Tarshish. After Tarshish... That was the end of the no, edge of the known world at the time. That was just sea. You just go and like there's nothing beyond there. You can't really go any further. And and what direction is it to Nineveh? It's the totally opposite direction. So he's he's going in the opposite direction and as far in the opposite direction as he possibly can. And as it often does in 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 Jonah, it leaves us with a question: Why? 
Why, why has he done that? Why has he gone as far from Nineveh as he possibly, possibly can? Well, option number one. Option number one is Nineveh was known for skinning people alive. I'm, I'd be pretty scared. I'd be pretty scared to go there, wouldn't you? Right, he was frightened. Right? But I think, I, I think it's deeper than that. I think it's more than, than fear that, oh no, they might skin me alive. It's more than that. Look at chapter 4, verse 2. Isn't this what I said, Lord? This is Jonah talking. I knew you were gracious and compassionate and a God who relents in sending calamity. He knew God was going to be gracious. He knew God was going to be kind. Jonah is not okay being the prophet who brought forgiveness to the evil, um, the evil people that the Israelites hated at that time. He thinks, you know, God, your, your plan, right, God's plan, that doesn't fit with my vision for life. That doesn't fit with what I think is good for my life. Jonah's, Jonah has a plan for his life, and God's plan, that's going to ruin that. That's going to ruin it, and, he, and he's not okay with it. And just as I said, Jonah is a mirror. It is a mirror for us to look at and see what our hearts are really like. And the, and the truth is that when it comes to obedience for God, when it comes to us obeying God, the truth is we have competing visions for, of what flourishing life looks like compared to God. All of us. We've got, we've got what, what life looks like to flourish. My vision does not fit with God's vision. It's not the same. And it's easy to think, oh, I'm doing well in my Christian life. I'm doing well in my Christian walk. I can, I can try and love my neighbors. I'm trying to love my neighbors. I'm, I'm, sometime, I'm serving in church. I'm, I'm there. I'm doing all of that. I, my friends who, who don't know God yet, well, well I, they know I go to church. That's fine. But the truth is, in all of our lives, there are clear, glaring areas in all of us that God is, is pointing out, that God is challenging. And, and, and we do this. We just go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I, I, not all right facing up to that. We ignore it. We, we often separate it from our following of Jesus. We often say, no, this bit, this, 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 this part of my life, I'm keeping that for myself. God, you don't, you don't need to deal with that. And we, we keep it for ourselves. We think it doesn't matter and they're not connected. And, and there's sin issues or different areas in our life where we are running away from. And so Jonah, Jonah, thinks, Jonah thinks he is running for his life. He thinks he's, he's going to somewhere safe. He thinks he's going uh, towards what life looks like and what flourishing looks like. And he thinks he's, he's doing well and he's heading for safety. But the issue is he's not running for his life. He is running from his life. He's running from life. Jonah chapter 1 is asking us about our relationship with God. Where are you running from life? Where are you running from God? It's asking, are you and I, are you going to settle for the path that we are on? Going to Tarshish, are we going to settle for the path we are on and we think that leads to life? Or am I going to embrace God's offer for life? So let's be real, though. 
All right? Running to God's offer for life is not easy. It's really hard. All right? This, it, can, it can be hard because we might, we might have to put, um, put to the side areas in our life that we hold dear but that differ from God's understanding of flourishing and life. Jesus spoke about this very thing. He said it in Matthew 10. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Where are you running from God? Where are you running from life? What in your life does not bring you life, yet you, really, you just want it to? Where is it? So Jonah is a, a runner, but he's also asleep. Let's, let's read a bit more. Jonah 1, we'll go from verse 3 down to verse 12. After paying the fare, nice to know that he's um, not a crook, right? He, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. That there is meant to be a bit more humor, all right? It's the ship going, shall I, shall I break up? I think I will. It's like the ship is talking to itself to say, yeah, I'm not going to hold together. I'm just going to break up. Forget this. Um, but all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So they've got rid of all the things that are of any worth on their ship. But Jonah, where's he? Had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. It's a sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. Rolling the dice, who's it going to fall on? Let's find out. They cast lots and it fell on, what a surprise, Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? So why is this storm happening? Why is the ship breaking up? Why is all that happening? What kind of work do you do? What's your they're asking him his job. Very odd. Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And you just imagine him bleary-eyed. He's been asleep. Yeah, he's bleary-eyed. He answered, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a, I'm a Hebrew. I, I worship the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and, and the dry land. See the irony here. They're in a storm. Who's your God? Oh, he, he, he's in charge of the sea. We're in a storm, right? This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to, to, to make the sea calm down for us? So he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. We read it there. The other day, I was driving along. I, uh, please tell me this happens to everybody else. Um, we, I was driving along, and I got to my destination, and I was like, how did I get here? <laughs> like, how did I do this? I often do it in a room. I walk into a room, and I'm like, why? What was I getting? Why have I come in here? Yeah. 
this is, is just a picture, right, at the start, uh, yeah? This, this part of Jonah is like that. It's a portrait of how easily we can end up spiritually asleep at the wheel. Jonah's asleep at the wheel. It's like, how have I got here? How do, how do, how do we get here? At the start, I asked how your Christian life is going. Maybe you're like the sailors. The sa- do you notice the sailors in the story? They're wide awake. They're there. They're like, let's get this off. We need to be safe. Come on. They're, they're awake, but they don't know God yet. They don't know who God is yet. And maybe you, that might be you. Or maybe you're a bit like Jonah. Maybe you were awake when you first became a Christian. You were, you were like, whoa, God, it's good. But slowly, over time, you've just begun cruising. You've just become cru- gone cruising along. Maybe you've become a little spiritually drowsy. Maybe you've drifted into a, a spiritual slumber. How do we end up there? How, how, do, how do we get to that place? Well, let's look at Jonah. Let's look at the language that's used in Jonah, verses 3 to 5. He went, where did he go? He goes down to Joppa. The ESV then says he goes down into the ship. After paying, paying the fare, he went down into the ship. And then in verse 5, but Jonah had gone down below deck. And then in verse, later in verse 5, he lay down and fell down into a deep sleep. This image of Jonah going down and down and down and down, it's a, it's a picture. The writer is creating a picture of his sin. He is just falling into deeper and deeper physical, but also spiritual slumber. How does that happen to us? How do, how do we get there? Well, there's, there's lots of reasons. Maybe, it may be because of the decisions we've made. Maybe you've, you've been running, like Jonah. Maybe you've, you've been running away from God. Maybe because not all of life is thrilling and exciting. Might be because it's just life's not like that. Maybe because you have never felt the vitality and the work of God in your life through the Holy Spirit. It may be because your current life situation is, is tricky and heavy and difficult. Whatever it is and however it has happened, we so often fall asleep at the wheel slowly and gradually. Do you see, Jonah is a mirror. It's a mirror up to us to help wake us up. And, and did you notice, who's suffering? Who's the one struggling here? Who's having to deal with all of this? Who who suffers because Jonah is falling asleep at the wheel? How, why is that? Jonah's sin and his selfishness, it has led him into a state where he is he's blissfully unaware, blissfully unaware of what is going on. He's unaware that he is a wrecking ball to those around him. The people of Nineveh who are far away from God, they're not getting the word of God being brought to them. You've got the sailors on the boat, and they're like they're in a storm, and, and really it's because he's run. He, he is the wrecking ball. Who suffers because Jonah is asleep at the wheel? It's not Jonah. It's not Jonah. He's in dreamland. He's like just snoring away. It's everyone else, everyone else around him. And this speaks into our culture. We live in a culture where we, we follow the rule of life by Jiminy Cricket. Let your conscience be your guide. We, we live in a world where you do you. 
where it's, if it's right for you, then it's right. And, and if we think about this for more than two seconds, we, we would see this way of thinking, this way of believing, it's totally naive. Jonah's choices expose this lie that the culture sets. It shows that our many moral decisions have an effect on other people. It affects those around us. It, it might be true that maybe, maybe your thousand, you might make a thousand mini decisions and they, they have no impact on, other, but, uh, on anyone else. But at some point, it might be the thousand and first, it might be before that, those mini decisions, they will impact others. What was originally a mini disagreement that Jonah had with his God has impacted those around him way more than he ever realized. That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy of us falling asleep at the wheel. The tragedy is that we miss God at work. He missed, in verse 10 to 13, that that the sailors turned to God. He missed that. He missed that they're, they're turning to God. He missed the gospel sharing moment for the Ninevites who needed it. We miss the life. Yeah, we miss the life that brings flourishing. There is no better picture of spiritual apathy than, than the scene in Jonah. And I just want to ask a question Where are you? Where are you? Where are we asleep at the wheel? Is it a Sunday morning? Ah, oh, I might go. I might get there. Is it, is it worship? You're just like, I've heard this song, I've heard this song a lot. We've heard Christ alone a lot, but wow, what words. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Just to dwell on that forever would be enough. Is it, is it grace group? Oh, it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. No, it does. It does. You, you bring something to the table. Everyone brings something to the table. It might be outside of the church. I'm giving church settings. It might be outside of the church. There were the sailors on the boat with Jonah, and they're, they're seeking God. They're seeking to find out who this God is. They are seeking God for their life, and, and he's just ignoring them. Who, who, in your, who around you are you like, yeah, I, I go to church on Sunday, but I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. Where are you asleep at the wheel? What does, what does Jonah do about it? Does, does he wake up? Does it, all, does it all end well? Does he, does he wake up? Does it all turn good? Well, let's look at verse 12. Throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. Is this, is this him owning up? Is this him saying, yep, I've, I've fallen asleep at the wheel? Is it him realizing that? Well, maybe, but it's more likely that he's just wanting to distance himself further and further from God. He, he's, wanting, he's saying, I'm done. Yeah, if, if Jonah really had a change of heart, he would probably turn around and head to Nineveh. So the question remains, what's the solution then? What's, what's the solution for for us all how do we wake up from spiritual apathy how can we not be asleep at the wheel anymore how do I run to life what's the resolution well let's see what the resolution is let's read verse we're going to jump a few verses down to 7 16 and 17 Uh, at this the men greatly feared the Lord this is the sailors they've turned to God and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They've, they've become followers of God. And then verse 17, now the Lord, that's what God does. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. 
From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. We meet the fish. There is, there is a whale, a fish in the story. He's not the main character. But we meet the fish, and Jonah is swallowed by the fish. He's, he's swallowed by the fish. However, if that story ended there, what a tragedy. That's not, is that a happy ending? No, it's, of course it's not a happy ending. It's an absolute travesty. And this image of Jonah being swallowed, it shows that he cannot go any further down. He, can't, he, he cannot run any further. He cannot fall asleep any more. How does Jonah show us how we can wake up spiritually? Well, that's the wrong answer. That's the wrong question. The question shouldn't be. The resolution is not, how do I wake up spiritually? There's tons and tons of books on it, and none of them work because it's about something we do. It's about something we've got to do. And the truth is that you and I, we do not know how to wake up. We don't know how to do that. I don't know how to turn myself around and run to life. As of all of us, right? for all of us, we are just snoring, desperate Jonah. That's who we are. Right? You, you cannot wake yourself up, and we can all, we can all say, throw me overboard, but, but Jonah does nothing. Verse 17, the Lord provided a fish. It was, it was God. God provides the instrument of death for Jonah. You would expect it to be the instrument of death, but it brings new life. It brings new faith within him. He fails again later on, just to give you, ruin the story a bit later on. But it brings new life. It's a, it's a transforming moment. Do you smell Jesus here? Can you, can you sniff the gospel at work here? Can you see it? The, 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 when, we, when we start to smell the gospel, we, we start to see where the beauty of the book of Jonah becomes technicolor. We see it in all its, its beauty. This moment in the fish, this, this fish moment um, in, in Matthew 12, Jesus describes it. He's, so the religious people come to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. The religious people, they want a sign from God, a sign from Jesus that he is God, that he is, says who he is. This is what he says, but none will be given. Oh, that's helpful. Thanks. All right. Oh, except... Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What? What? Why? What? This, this minor prophet, this guy we can vaguely remember. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish. In, this, in the fish, in the story of Jonah, we see Jesus modeling. He is the opposite to Jonah. He is, he is totally the opposite. He is the true Jonah. He serves others than himself. Jesus, he's the one who goes to Nineveh. He goes to where sin and death and pain and persecution is. He goes there. And although our tendency, who we are, our tendency is that we are to run from life. That's, that's our default. You know what, Jesus, he says, I'm going to run to death so that life can come to you. That's what he does. Through Jesus, we are woken up. Because death gets turned upside down into a vehicle for life. 
God's outrageous grace. It allows us to wake up. It allows us to turn towards life and head towards life. I asked at the start, how is your Christian life going? And, and to be honest, we, we've, we had the same answer, to be honest. We all have the same true answer. I need to know the grace of God more. I need to know the grace of God more because that's what wakes us up. That's what turns us around. So how do I do that? How can I know the grace of God more? Well, well, first of all, we need to see that we are more sinful than we think we are. But at the same time, Christ beat that sin at the cross. We need to know we spiritually slumber way, way too much. But Christ's work never slumbers or sleeps. We need to know that, that I regularly am going to disagree with God's plan. I'm going to think I know, I know better. But Christ's plan took him to the cross to bring us to the Father. I need to realize I am way worse. I am more like Jonah than I dare want to think I am. But at the same time, in the same beautiful way, Jesus' work, Christ's work, is more complete than I dare imagine it to be. That's the truth this morning. That's, that's the challenge this morning for us. And so the band are going to come up. I want to, there's three responses. And I've, I've, I've just been mulling over, how do we, how do we respond this morning and I do think there is, is something at work in all of our hearts this morning that God wants to do on different levels, in different, in different ways. And so why don't we stand? And I wanted to give us a bit of time at the end to, to sing, just to worship God this morning, to worship Christ for his redeeming work. So let's, let's sing. And then I just want to... And then I'll, I'll come up and I'll show what I think we should do. But let's, I just want us to look to Jesus first. I want us to get our gaze in the right direction. I want this, the songs that we sing to wake us up to see, oh, I need Jesus. We need him. So let's worship God. Let's fix our eyes on him. And then, and then we'll, we'll think about how do we practically do this.